Welcome back to Who the Hell is This For? Today we are talking Ten to Midnight, a movie coming to us uh, basically because it was frequently referenced by our friends over at Nightmare Junkhead who uh, recently celebrated their 30, not 30, 300th episode. That's a way bigger feat. <laughs> uh, congratulations, guys. Uh, as we said, we shot you guys over a message. Could not be uh, more thrilled for you guys to have gotten to 300 and for us to have guested on it uh, a couple of us multiple times just great journey you guys are awesome and keep up the good work and before we get into what we've been watching and you know catching up getting into the meat of our episode i once again we normally use this time to talk about uh, worthy causes to donate to uh and then you know send us a receipt and we'll review a movie of your choice uh, today that that segment is going to totally go to mutual aid and refugee uh, relocation funds for Afghanistan. Uh, huge, huge issue. Um, and so, I mean, this is the result of 20 years of just awful, awful stuff. Uh, donate where you can and help people out. It's, it's a horrible situation and we, I, I wish there were something more we could do with that. Uh, you guys, what have you been watching lately? Um, let's see. We've seen, we've seen a couple things since we recorded last. Um, we saw four things. We saw, um, no, five. We saw Suicide Squad. Um, the the final, Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad, correct. Um, the Final Girls. Uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. And then we watched Split and Glass. So. Um, and of the that five of those... That is a hefty list. Yeah, of the five of those, Split was my favorite. Um, I knew I probably would like it, but I, like, loved it. I, like, really, really that, liked that So movie. Split's the James McAvoy one of the three, right? Correct. And then Glass okay. kind of brings all of it together. It's Unbreakable and the characters from Split and kind of puts them together. Right. Okay. Glass, it was fine. It, it just... It didn't let anybody do its own thing and... Split was having just seen Split and liking it so much, the character in the second movie just didn't have near as much like room to grow. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we did watch Barbara Star go to Vista Del Mar, which was good. Um, I feel like Rally that might be up your alley. I feel like okay. have you and Caitlin see that? We have not. So is, is it a bad movie? Is that why? No, it's it's um <laughs> so it's Kristen Wiig, um, and Annie Momolo who. Uh, wasn't really in Bridesmaids, but helped co-write it. Okay. So um, it's it's kind of like a gal pal. I think I've seen like a trailer or ad for it. Yeah, I, it seems. Good. I really want to watch that. It's um it's pretty good. I would say um it's a pretty like sweet like feel good romp um with some like MacGruber like extra like horniness thrown in. Yeah. Um, and I would say the final act kind of loses me a little bit, but like any of the stuff that's like kind of just the two of them, like palling around is is pretty good. My my mom and sister said that is uh, one of the worst movies they've ever seen, and I feel like oh that shit, is, yeah. Uh, well, they they were also a little biased because they did they did mean to rent it, and they accidentally uh, <laughs> they didn't realize they were doing the twenty dollar rental. <laughs> Or they might have actually bought it on accident. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but also, they had that same reaction to Werewolves Within. So it. it just it gives me more hope that I will really like Barb and Star. For, for full disclosure, I, I put it at a three out of five. I think if it would have been just the first like hour and a half, I think it had been like a three and a half to a four. The, the last part... Okay. Not my favorite, but for the most part, I think it's it's worth a watch for sure. And it's on Hulu, so it's you can watch it for free. Sure, right on. Riley, right. how about you? What are you even watching? Um, let's see. We also watched the Suicide Squad last. I think it was last Friday. Um, and then sent, and then I and then I took a dive into the Batman animated movies. Um, quite a few of those. Um couple highlights from those batman under the red hood was probably one of my favorites i've seen um and then batman hush was one of the Ooh. other ones and man i really like i really like the graphic novel for hush 
So I think I, I give me two seconds here since I have my list pulled up. I can figure this out. Oh no, that's right. I discover, I was surprised to find out that the director of Batman Hush was not the same as uh, the Killing Joke because Batman Hush is an incredibly horny movie. <laughs> A lot of sexual tension between Batman and Catwoman. Um, well, I guess that tension eventually breaks when they fuck, but <laughs> you know, what's a Batman animated movie without a little bat sex? Heroes don't do that, man. Bat fucking <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, what yeah, a note then, to end. Okay, cool. You've got more. <laughs> no, I mean, and then I watched, uh, and then the other two Batmans were. Uh, Batman the Dark Knight Returns was well, Batman the Dark Knight Returns part one and two. Uh, part two is better than part one. That's about all. That's about all the notes I have on that. Dark Knight Returns is one of the more controversial Batman yeah, stories, right? Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to say too much. Yeah. Um, Dark Knight Returns. I would. I, okay. He, From he what breaks, I've heard, he breaks character. Yeah. Well, it's the closest. Dark Knight Returns is the closest depiction of the Ben Affleck Batman. Yeah, from yeah. what I've heard. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, but I I do want to read through that at some point, though. I mean, I still liked it. It's just kind mm-hmm. of a oh wow. It was like a wow. They actually decided to go that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, highlight of those four was Under the Red Hood. Oh, Under the Red Hood is great. Yeah, it was super fun. But, All right, and then, oh, what oh, you no, got? go ahead. I no, it's fine. I was cool. gonna shit. No, on, I was gonna shit on Jason Todd or whatever. Do Robin it. That is. Oh, I just, do I it. just hate him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, He's, and then we also start, speaking of shitty Robins, uh, <laughs> we also started Titans on HBO. Oh God, we're gonna give that. A, we're gonna give that a go. That um, Robin is Damien, right? No. So the main well. Uh, I I looked into it and it's Damien now. Oh, okay, I assume season from one the, first the fuck teaser. Batman line. Yeah, is, I thought that was that's Damien. Dick Grayson. Which, really? Yeah, they did. Oh, and uh, I figured that out. Or when they said it's Dick Grayson, I'm like, oh, this that's just that's not Dick Grayson. But oh, we're gonna give it a yeah. chance. I'm, I'm not. See, the, we've the only, only watched way, one episode, so the only way I was gonna like be cool, not be cool because I don't like care, but it just seems so off and weird. The only way I feel like it fits is if it's Damien. <laughs> Or Jason. He's just a little... Well, yeah, but Jason I, wouldn't have I said that thinking. as Robin, though. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I, I want to stick with it because I do like all those characters. So. I've heard it is very good eventually. Yeah, you just kind of... I feel like just... Well, we only watched one episode, so this is hot off the press. Um, it definitely feels like they're they were trying to establish themselves as the dark you know mm-hmm. edgy show but everything i've read is sounds like they kind of find their footing and dial it back a little as the show goes on but some of Which, the fight choreography is awesome so okay i i might check it out i don't know i wouldn't go into it with high expectations okay i've i've got other stuff to watch yeah, first. yeah. i'm i'll i'll get into that uh but so as far as movies go i also watch the suicide squad it was fine. Uh, Green Knight, which was very good, and also not what I think most audiences were expecting. <laughs> the family in front of me leaving the theater at the same time as I was, they were not thrilled. <laughs> How? I'm I'm convinced there's a willful ignorance with people that are just like, let's just go to the movie theater and let's just look at a poster and let's just go in. Yeah. And let's... you're just like, if you have children, you can't just wing it. You I will say they, it was adult children, a fully grown family oh. going to see this. But like, but I agree with you, Jeff, like it's 2021. Like you could yeah. watch the trailer out in your car yeah, in the parking lot and be like, I oh, well, maybe that's not for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't understand the, the technology proficient, but still making stupid movie decisions person. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. I think even if there are some... Th- there are many weird parts of that movie that are going to throw a lot of the mainstream audience off, but also it's not 
it isn't traditional in this, and I'm trying to, you know, because I know neither of you guys have seen it yet. Uh, it hits it hits VOD here soon, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, it, okay. it hits this week actually. Okay, so oh, by the time this episode comes, watch it. that's really quick. Yeah, it wasn't well, um, very long. I think forty five. It's days. hitting the. It's getting the twenty dollar VOD though. I think. Yeah. Okay. So I don't Jeff, know. Eight twenty four. Split it. We could do it that way. Not that I condone sharing. <laughs> we don't do that. Yay, capitalism. <laughs> I do love not it, give folks. Mark Zuckerberg permission to use my photos. <laughs> Fuck the CCP. <laughs> um, but yeah, it the narrative structure of it, it's very contemplative and it is very deliberately paced and it's like it's not a quick moving movie, but it doesn't need to be. Like it lets you spend so much time with Gawain and who he is. Uh just phenomenal stuff. I really really loved it and the ending is going. I, pe- mainstream audiences are going to have an issue with the ending, um, because it's just it's not structured the way our big blockbusters that general audiences are coming out to go see right now. What is he in the Green Knight? Fuck, is that yes. what happens? Nice. Oh yeah, cool. Um, <laughs> so, what's your what's your A twenty four version of? If you liked this, you'll like the Green Knight. So wait, just other A twenty four movies? Yeah, it's see the A twenty four stuff. I don't think is as homogenous as people make it out to be. Because I couldn't tell you anything. Okay, even any, within any within A twenty four or outside of A twenty four, I couldn't really tell you a similar movie to this. It it feels wholly unique. Okay. Um, I I mean, I'm trying to think. What about like a so the, the vibe I get from it is a more grown-up Pan's Labyrinth. Is that similar, or do you think it's too weird still? Like it's because it, it it's, it's not like even a dark the weirdness; it's the narrative structure of it that is making it so difficult to 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 pin down. Because it's, I mean, as as the original poem is, it's broken out into uh, stanzas, chapters, uh, and it's it's Gawain going through. There is the inciting incident, and then everything in between leads to the climax which happens at the very end and it's all a journey to that point and it's a study of Gawain's character and who he is as a person throughout many different encounters that happen along the way it's it's structured most like like an RPG like side quests before you get to the final point that you were originally heading out to hmm okay and I, I love it for that. I think it's really great. And it, I mean, it, the biggest, biggest comparison I might make, honestly, is The Witcher, but not the series, but the game. Like, okay, truly so it, it, the way you get distracted on the way to something else and do all of these small side quests, like, that is how I would describe The Green Knight. All right. I, I can dig that. Is it long? It, it, it's it's pretty long. It's um, just over two hours. Oh, that's not bad. But I, I think it's the perfect length for what it is. And I it's not long, but it's longer than, you know, it, like it's not a 90-minute quick get-in, get-out type thing. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it, and I seeing it in 4K is going to be a treat. There's a lot of really interesting, uh, almost like Argento-type lighting, which... It was a huge surprise, but I really, really liked it. Hmm. And just the VFX look incredible. Everything looks so good in that movie. But that's that's one I think we should do an episode on uh, when we all have seen it. I think that would be phenomenal. Uh, well, I'm, then, sure, I'm sure we can make it our next one. I'm in. Yeah. You heard it here. Next movie we're doing is uh, Green Knight. Uh, probably that could change. Yeah, uh, well, but, let's, let's throw out some movies until then. But yeah. Anyway, uh, the last movie I watched was The Dark and the Wicked, uh, which has been kicking around on uh, Shutter, some other streaming services for a while. Heard a lot of good things about it. It is bleak. It is pretty deliberately paced. Uh, it's not there. 
there's a couple jumps, but not like big ones and a lot of background scares. I think it is good, but it kind of loses its way a little bit in the middle as it's trying to figure out what to do. But it's I, I like it and it's just going to make you feel bad, which sometimes like that's what you want out of a horror movie, specifically like a good summer horror movie, because this is for sure like it's a farmhouse like you, it feels hot through this right. movie. So I it's it's nice and bleak. And then outside of uh, movies, I am deep into the Chimera Ant arc of Hunter Hunter, uh, which many people have talked about being the best arc of the show. And most of, most of the seasons and arcs, either, you know, a couple of them, I think most of the arcs they do are a full season. But anyway, they're, they're about like 20, 25 episodes in arc. This is a 60 episode arc. And it is just nuts. It is wild. I love Hunter Hunter. I think it is phenomenal i would love for the creator to get healthy enough to decide to write more chapters so that you know the show can ever finish and the manga can finish but they'll, they'll get there when it's time until then the creator of sailor moon can take care of them because i just found out they were married what huh. say that again the creator of sailor moon and the creator of hunter hunter slash yu show are married oh how about that yeah Boy, I hope they don't move to Kansas City because we might lose out on Kansas City's number one anime podcast. <laughs> uh, no, that well, there's that three of be, us. So I would just say let's put the you know that's when we put this podcast in the ground and we do everything in our power to start a podcast with them, and then further yeah. cement our place as Kansas City's number one. Anime yeah, would podcast. love to get their theirs and Jeff's interactions. Oh my god. <laughs> Jeff just having weekly conversations <laughs> with two like legendary manga creators. <laughs> Can you imagine how offended they would be every episode? Yeah, so uh, um, I thought the drawing was pretty good. Uh, so the Sailor Moon, she's like like Goku, right? <laughs> so is she a legitimate sailor, or what's the deal there? <laughs> I I've noticed there are no boats anywhere in this series. <laughs> Have you thought about renaming it? I was thinking, let me, you know, let me tell you how you should do the show. Maybe Moon Lady. <laughs> <laughs> so people know she's a lady, you know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's let's go ahead and get into uh, our discussion on Ten to Midnight from 1983 starring Charles Bronson. A 40% uh, critic score, 50% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, which, I mean, I, I feel like that's low. Uh, this was a canon movie uh, directed by J. Lee Thompson. Roger Ebert's Rotten Review. This is a scummy little sewer of a movie, a cesspool that lingers <laughs> sadistically on shots of a killer terrifying and killing helpless women, and then is shameless enough to end with an appeal to law and order. Rating <laughs> zero stars. Shit. We're just a scummy little podcast. That's our new tagline. Scummy little sewer of a podcast. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, man. You went scorched earth. I, I feel like, oh, man. Oh, it, it just, like, makes me think of just the current trend. And clearly it's been going for a lot longer. But, the, uh, you know, the, the trend of all of these people doing bad things in my movie. I don't like it. I don't want to see it. Get it off my screen. Like <laughs> people, people can do bad things because people do bad things in real life. Like that's what movies are for. Nobody's actually doing these things. They're didn't, an actor portraying a character. <laughs> who's didn't, to say, didn't you say worse? that this was based off something real? It is. Yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> didn't think about that. Uh, but yeah, it was based off of a series of murders in Chicago where the uh, killer killed um, eight nurses in one night. Was it one night? Mm-hmm. Oh, that okay? Yeah, because I was gonna say I felt like it moved a little too quick through all of that in this movie, but apparently, if that's what it's pulling from, apparently well, not. You know, like in in this one, he's like a serial killer yeah. who is like stalking victims and going through things like that and it sounds like in this one it was just a rampage a rampage okay so i should caveat yes that is a very bad thing but also this is a movie and it is separate from that 
at at worst this might be a little tasteless it is i mean i do think it's fair i don't feel this way but i do think people who don't like what feels like an exploitation movie about a real event people who don't like it for that reason i think that's a respectable reason to not want to watch this does that mean it's does that mean it's a bad movie i think it's a different conversation than Mm -hmm. is this my cup of tea do i want to watch that do i think someone should have made it Um, And, and always the you know that's the distinction you can always think no i don't want to watch that i don't want to have anything to do with that movie that's fine but those movies and that media is still going to be made and exist and have an audience i do think you have to you have to separate you know what i mean it's it's the kind of the thing of uh we talked about this before of like historical fiction right like ford versus ferrari is it's entertainment but it is also like telling the story this to me doesn't feel like an homage to like what really happened right right? no this is an inspired thing where they decided to create a character that I will nurses. say this is as to me this is as offensive towards real life sensibilities as something like uh like an NCIS or uh no I feel like that one's not even accurate. Oh, what's the other one? SVU. SVU, yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like because they they do things inspired by yeah, yeah, they they pull stuff from the headlines there. Yeah. And I I feel like this in itself too is my because the way people feel about this movie is a lot of the way i feel about like true crime podcasts like and yeah so i mean i i get it but i think i i don't know i think there's just a different standard there i could you know sound like a huge hypocrite right now but and we're all hypocrites that's how it goes that's how you podcast yep okay yeah i didn't know where to go from there not sure where to go now I think what you know where we can go is what did we like about this movie? Uh, now you know we should we talked a lot about you know the content of the movie, but we haven't given a synopsis and what this movie's about because I feel like outside of genre fans, you're not going to have people who are super familiar with this movie. I actually feel like the letterbox blurb is pretty good. You want me to just read that? Do it. A cop, a killer, a deadline. Based on the real-life Richard Speck murders, after his bizarre behavior results in rejection from countless women, Warren Stacy begins murdering women always while he is naked, which minimizes any physical evidence left behind. Detective Leo Kessler is convicted of Stacy's Stacy's guilt, and over the objections of his partner, plants evidence to get him behind bars. When Stacy is released on the technicality, he threatens to go after Kessler and his family, leaving Kessler to defend himself with little help from the police. They don't mention his daughter, which seems like a pretty big yeah, part of yeah. the movie. Warren Stacy is stalking Kessler's daughter and plans to go murder her. Yeah. And then the end happens. Hijinks ensue. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Rated Kessler PG shoots him for in the comic face. mischief. <laughs> There's a great Benny Hill scene. <laughs> doors right. open, doors close. So what what did we like about this movie? Um, I like that it's a scummy little sewer of a movie. <laughs> um, yeah, that's why I like this movie. I, yeah, that is that is to this movie's strength. Yeah, uh, I like that it's got Wilford Brimley in it. Um, yeah. I, I I don't know. I, I think that what I expected to watch this movie for is I was expecting it to be like silly. Like a little bit like take uh-huh. itself seriously, but for it to be feel overall silly. Um, and I actually thought that it was like a pretty good like combination of a slasher and like an investigation movie and a cop movie. And you know what I mean? Like, I was surprised how much this did feel like you know, with some more music and less focus on the cops, like this could have been like this. This feels in the vein of something like a Halloween. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it is a, it is a slasher movie, I think first and foremost. Um, and especially uh, like in the, probably the second or the, the final like third of the movie, uh-huh. you're kind of like, Oh, is this going to be like a courtroom movie? You know what yeah. I mean? Is it going to be like a courtroom drama? I burned then, through that real quick. Yeah. And then that that's over. And then like the last, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes of the movie are just like a straight slasher movie. And it's to me, the best part of the movie is the final, I don't know, it final totally third. Final act, yeah. And yeah. I, I will talk about that later. Okay. That that has a lot to do with how I feel about the movie overall. But I, the movie is so strong 
in those scenes where Warren is just being a creep. Like yeah. the the scene where he is at the theater is so good because yeah. you you know what he does. All right, like you know he's a creep by this point. You know, this is the first major thing of the movie after he gets rejected and you already know he's going to be stalking cuz they kind of cut back and forth with the stalking itself. But he goes in the theater and he makes his presence known and you think at first that this girl is going to be the target and you are so on edge for her and then you put together as he leaves that okay like he is making his presence known so that he has an alibi when he goes to murder this other woman it's it, it's very good it's crafted so well and i think warren just being weird and the whole like the 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 nudity element of his whole thing really pulls a lot together uh just it's just wild i i love the choices that this movie makes and uh the more i talk about the first and third act i almost think i'm coming up on it a little bit but i i think there there's a lot of strength to this movie and it is it's better than i feel like people would expect an exploitation crime thriller to be especially out of this time yeah i totally agree Riley, what did you like about this one? Um, you know, you touched on there. There quite there wasn't quite enough music in this, but I thought that the music that we did get, score wise, I liked um, it. Was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, very heavy synth. Yeah. Um, which I thought gave a really cool vibe to just the movie in general. Um, it kind of gave it like what you said. It kind of gave it that that slashery vibe to it. Um, yeah. I think the, uh, I, the characters themselves, like performances through this movie are going to be what they are. And that's fine. I do think that, uh, I don't know the actor, but McCann and his interactions with, uh, Charles Bronson, their whole dynamic is phenomenal. I mean, you know, it's the it's the grizzled detective and the fresh young face like who want, who's very idealistic and wants to do it by the book. And, it, you know, still has dreams of making the world a better place. I think that's a really great dynamic. I also think that we're introduced to Charles Bronson and he's not as far gone as you think he is. He still like is a pretty like he's he's a good detective. He's a guy that cares about what he's doing, but he's definitely like right on the line of just becoming so cynical and jaded and he's right there. And we see that transition through happen in the movie itself. I thought an interesting thing and I don't like, I'm trying to kind of read the Wikipedia as we go to, to figure out where this is kind of pulled from. But I mean, it's very clear that there's like a couple elements within this movie are trying to talk about stuff from the headlines. Like the idea of, someone else getting off from an insanity plea or like the lawyer mm-hmm. like coming up with that ahead of time being like this is how we'll get you away like and and warren being like i'm not insane like i don't want to say that and he's like no no no. this is just like in case we need that you know we'll just say you're insane mm-hmm. so like clearly there's this element where we're supposed to look at that as like a shysty lawyer thing that's always false that charles bronson is like you know he's gonna work around because he knows that he knows the, law the system. Yeah. yeah, he knows the, the system isn't justice. The The law isn't necessarily what's right. And that's an element that gets talked about by him and McCann throughout the movie that has been done before, but I still found like really compelling um, like in the movie for what they were talking about. Um, and so I think that sets up the end of the movie really well. Like I was mm-hmm. kind of surprised they were able to kind of bring that back in, that it just wasn't sort of like a, a final conclusion. There's like a little final confrontation conversation that I think makes the third act like pulled well together. I don't know. You know what I mean? There's something about that thread of being pulled through that I really liked. Yes, absolutely. And I, um, I was also looking, so apparently this is, there was a novel done about the, this whole thing, uh, called the evil that men do. And now I'm wondering if the, uh, Iron Maiden song with that same title is also a reference to all of this. Uh, so I might I might have to look at that, um, but very very interesting adaptation history. But yeah, I I totally agree with you on on the way all of these themes are pulled together. It 
it tackles its themes more than you expect a movie like this to do so. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not. I don't know. I, I think there's. I don't know if there's something smart about it, but there's something surprising about there it. There is. There is something thoughtful about yes. it, and yes. it's more thoughtful than you expect. I think when you when you start the movie with a slasher vibe, and I love slashers, right? But slashers seem to be a lot more about subtext, right? <laughs> and this movie, I don't know, you know, and this movie like just kind of talks about its subtext, yeah, which isn't necessarily a good or bad thing. It's just something. It's just text in this movie. Yeah, it's just text. They're just saying it, which, which is fine. Yeah, which I think for this works. You know what I mean? But mm. um, it is more of a. It's a weird mix of a cop movie and a slasher yes. movie. It's neither. It's not just one. And I think. Do you guys have anything else you really liked about this movie? Because if not, that that is a great jumping off point. Yeah. For, let's let's for go me. ahead. So, that this is it's an interesting mix of a cop movie and a slasher movie. I think that's where I had the biggest issue with this movie is because it doesn't know which direction it wants to be, and I. It, had we gone in one direction or the other, I think this is a really, really tight movie that is more than the cult classic it is because of some of the weirder elements of it. I, I think this becomes a huge mainstay in kind of the noir, the, the kind of sleazy, mean cop movies. I, I think, you know, this is right on the edge of that, but it can't quite decide what it wants to do. And I mean, you know, it, it's going to sound like I'm doing a bit here, but I'm not. I think Manhunter is what really exemplifies where that that delineation between cop movie and sleazy slasher movie, where you can really blend both of those together. And I think this just it almost got there. And I I either wanted more of the chase or more following uh, following Warren just being insane, like being this killer. You needed more Bronson jogging down the middle of the road. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted exactly. Bronson to look at the ocean with the blue filter on it. it yes. <laughs> yes, now we're talking. Just dudes looking at water. Looking at water, standing by a big picture window with some blue light just flooding the scene. I was going to ask... Now, now that is cinema. That's cinema. Was this supposed to be uh, like Los Angeles? Did they ever say what city it was? I... I believe, yeah, City no, they, they specify it's L.A. Okay. Um, but, yeah, uh, because they're both LAPD, and I believe okay. they do reference L.A. a lot. Okay. Um, but, yes, based off of something that happened in Chicago, and I think I think you make this Chicago at 80 Chicago and make it, like, real sleazy and, like, dirty and grimy. Mm-hmm. Or even like I think the uh, the Michael Douglas movie I talked about, uh, Black Rain, I think is also the Ridley Scott one is really like it, it. That has kind of the same kind of grime and sleaziness to it that I really wanted from here. I agree with you that it's 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 definitely both, and I can tell from your point of view that you would have preferred it to be one or the other. I still think the the mix of it was really interesting, because um, I thought there were there was quite a bit of slasher. You know what I mean? Like you could have mm-hmm. made the movie shorter, and had like you know Charles Bronson be like a very small part of the movie, and it would have been a lot more just slasher esque. Um, but I do think that there's some interesting. I think there was probably if there was one element that I think worked kind of but was like had a really big place in the movie is um his relationship with his daughter yeah um is like a is like basically i don't know the second most important thing in the movie that's going on and you're kind of like i get it but also they kind of had weird sexual chemistry with each other and it was very distracting um i don't know if you guys I think that's just the danger of working with charlie bronson <laughs> the I man made of leather yeah I mean, I I liked her. I thought she did a good job. I mean, I thought there were parts of it that I were compelling. I really liked her, but I I thought it was an interesting. There was just a lot of time spent on like my father didn't have time for me as a kid, and I haven't talked to him since my mother died. Like that was just a big part of it, and I felt like, uh, there was a big emphasis on it, and they probably could have dialed it back a little bit and focused on something else. But so um, I 
I agree with that. And I, I think what, I think what it is for me is it's very, it's honestly a pretty minimalist movie. And I think that's where it felt like it didn't commit. We, we get a lot of the slasher stuff and the stalking, but it's still, it feels minimal like we do in Halloween and Halloween works because you have, I mean, you know, we spend so much time with Lori as the prey, uh, but we we also spend so much time with Loomis hunting him down, and I, I think, if you give me Charles Bronson, give me more Charles Bronson losing his mind and being like being a Loomis throughout this movie, like he is towards the end as he starts to like turn the tables on him and try and draw him out. I I think that's what really pulls this together for me. So so basically, cut out, you know, the second act or the first arrest, more or less make this just him trying to catch this killer i i would say cut out the stuff between the first arrest and then the second arrest like truncate that and then spend more of the third spend give me more time post courtroom yeah where it's this cat and mouse game just yeah or just leave him out of the courtroom altogether that's what i was saying yeah okay yeah yeah, like don't bring him in the first time yeah It'd be interesting if they did that because the there's an element of this movie where it's like, again, Charles Bronson is I don't even remember, what's his character's name, uh, Leo <laughs> Charles Bronson. Leo Kessler yeah Charles Leo Bronson Kessler. is his uh, so we just call him Charles Bronson um, but because there's so much emphasis put into the law is not right and justice is what's most important that's why I think they have him like do so much in the courtroom and the planning of the evidence. Like that's a key point and thread they're trying to pull right. through. But I do think everything else suffers because that's a focus. Like you said. So, yeah. Other than that, I, I do, I think this is a very, it, it's an enjoyable watch for me. The one I would, my one other thing is I do wish it was just meaner. And that's, that's a personal thing. That's not a, that's, that's not a quality of the movie thing. It's just this type of movie. I want it to be very mean. Like I, it. That's just how I enjoy watching these types of movies. Like I saw the devil. Like it. That is the level of meanness I was kind of almost hoping for this. Maybe not how extreme it was going to be, but it's that's not a feel good movie, man. It doesn't make you feel good at all. Do you, I mean it is? It is 1983. Were there a mm-hmm. lot of. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, are there a lot of things to compare to at that time that would have had the level of meanness that you're looking for? I, let me see, because actually, I need to see when this movie came, when this other movie came out. Okay, same year. This came out the same year as Sleepaway Camp. Okay. And that's, yeah. that's the type of meanness that I think would have really shined in this movie. Because Sleepaway Camp is a mean, mean little flick, and I think this could have benefited from some of that. But also then, I mean, you get into kind of a weird area with the content of the movie and the story, and that, you know, if you start to get mean, it it can feel a little gross there. And I mean, I, I don't I think know. It's, the connection to a real thing yeah. makes the, the violence need to be a little bit pulled back. That's And that's fair. I mean, if you... There could have been, I don't know, if if there was more torment between Kessler and Warren, Charles Bronson and Warren, if there was more stuff there between the, just the two of them, I still think you could have done something with it and not like felt like you're relishing in the kills of, you know, the nurses in the movie. Yeah. I don't know. I, I might walk that back just because it like, it, it's just... tough because... As a movie, that is what I would want out of this movie, but also it's not great in relation to the real-life stuff. Right. I'm kind of interested, because I, I saw this movie with almost no background. I had the It's for Jack and Off scene, <laughs> and I knew it was Charles Bronson, and that was basically it. So, like, I didn't know hardly anything about this. So, again, we've talked about this before in relation to other movies. Just the idea of expectations just has a, such a huge impact on how much you enjoy a movie the first time you watch it. So I'd be interested to see like if in a couple of months you revisit this again, like what your feelings are. I think on so. I, I think so. And I think it's not even that I wanted it to be more mean. I didn't know it was based on a real thing and expected it to be more mean while I was watching it. Got I think it. that's kind of where the disconnect was. I th- Yeah. I think this one would actually benefit being a second watch because on second watch, you can come back and just enjoy it for what it is. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, you know the ride at this point. Um, I think you can just get a better look at it. Yeah, I I think so, and I'm. It's definitely one I will watch again. It's it, it's worth my time for sure, and it's not a long movie. It's barely over ninety. Yeah, I think ninety-seven. Mm-hmm. So with that, let's go ahead and move into our standout scenes. And there is one scene I want to highlight here. The scene that we referenced a couple times, but haven't we haven't described it. And unless you are, you know, you've gone out of your way to look this scene up after hearing it referenced on Nightmare Junkhead, uh, there is a scene in which they arrest, they bring Warren in for the first time after they've gone to his apartment and. <laughs> Charles Bronson has found a contraption that looks like a KitchenAid hand mixer and a fleshlight attached to the end of it. And uh, he apparently just shoves that whole thing just in his, like, jacket holster and walks out of there with it. Um, but but they, they, bring, they bring him in and, like, they're talking to him and Charles Bronson is getting more and more heated and then eventually just pulls it out and slams... Uh, shaking it at him and slams it on the table like, Warren, Warren, you know what this is? What's it used for, Warren? And there's a just a weird pause where nobody does anything. He slams it down and yells it's for jacking off, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just unbelievable work from everyone involved. Absolutely. And that's it's such a weird tonal thing and it almost doesn't fit with the rest of the movie and I think that's I, ex- I expected something a little more strange just from knowing about that scene. But uh, out- outside of that, what's what's your favorite scene in this movie? Um, I'm going to go with something we touched on earlier. I'm going to go with Warren setting up his first... Well, not mm-hmm. his first. Or, yeah, I guess so, his first. I setting up his a, first kill. First. Yeah. Um, going through all those things of setting up his alibi in the theater. Uh, you know making sure his clothes are bagged, puts his gloves on, leaving no evidence. It gives us an idea of how thought through these murders are. Um, And then obviously things start to spiral and he loses control of the situation. But um, definitely that first murder for me. So the thing I don't really understand is um, there was one kill that he did. And I forget if it's at the very end when he's like going up to the girl's apartment but, like, he basically goes into the building, and then at the bottom of the stairs, takes all of his clothes off, and then climbs the stairs, presumably naked the whole time. That is... That's that, at is the that end. the kill after the funeral? No, that's... The that's roommate? He, that he gets to the, the nurse's dorm. And okay. takes off his clothes okay. at the bottom. Anyways, he had to climb, like, four or five flights of stairs. You're telling me in Los Angeles, nobody is using those stairs at that same Dude, time? Dude, it's Los Angeles, man. People just see stuff like this happen. Yeah, I think there's just (laughs) naked people in LA. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Um, I I also think Warren was so far gone at that point. And, like, that's where he, like, as Riley was talking, he kind of had lost control of the situation. And it was all just kind of a desperate, desperate move um, towards uh, towards, uh, Leo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, there's a lot of really good scenes. It's so hard to pick anything with kind of the final piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, and I'm I'm going to go with when he gets into the apartment because uh, in the end, because I think that's super tense. Uh, and like when Lori is under the bed and the radio is going next to her, uh, and Warren is just, he's so intimidating in that scene. And like on paper, his whole thing looks kind of goofy. Like just getting getting naked and just putting on his latex gloves, like it seems kind of goofy. But when you get into it, it's really effective. It is very creepy, and it works yeah. so well in that in that scene. I think it helps that he's not like a faceless killer. Like he really is just like a really gross person. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. there's a part of that that's like a different kind of unsettling than like a faceless killer that you don't know who they are. Um, cause like they interact with him in real life all the time. You know what I mean? And he doesn't right. put on a mask. His personality doesn't change. Like he is just, he is that person. He's pretending to be something else when he's with the cops. So I don't know. I thought there, I, I probably will just pick the final thing. Cause I, I agree with you. It was incredibly tense and just comes from the fact that he has a little bit more power 
than the people. He's not, mm-hmm. like, incredibly strong or anything like that. He just has a little bit more power, and he wants to kill them, and he has a knife, and he will do it if he gets a chance. Yeah. Now, let's move into our letdown scenes, and uh, what do you guys have for this? I've got mine. Go ahead. Uh, so I I do... Th- it's kind of why I brought it up earlier. The uh, the kill right after the funeral when he goes after the roommate. It For whatever reason, that one just didn't land. It felt very strange tonally compared to the others. And it, it didn't have the same level of effectiveness for me. And I, I'm not entirely sure why. I think... I don't know. I think that one still worked for me just because... I mean, too. It, it's, it's when he starts to panic and that's his first, you know, he's, he's panicking about the diary. The roommate shows up. He doesn't know what to do. So he kills her, but that kill wasn't planned. Leading the cops to him. Things just spiral out of control from then on. And I can respect that. Now I, so I can understand where it doesn't or how, you know, it can feel that it doesn't fit because you get, you go through this whole elaborate kill before that. And then, you know, maybe 20, 15 minutes of movie time, he's he's out of control, kill, you know, on an unplanned kill. Yeah, that's that's fair. And I think it just, it still felt off for me. So that, that's kind of where I end up potting it. For sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what my letdown scene is. Um, and I don't know that that means there's not any bad scenes in it. I just think that, it's hard for me to pick a scene that I would change that doesn't like really change the movie. Like if you yeah. cut out some of the courtroom stuff or you cut out some of the interactions between like him and McCann or the stuff with his daughter, like some of those things I think are, are not as interesting, but you would kind of have to cut out a whole plot line in order to cut yeah. it out. So it's oh. hard to pick a single one. I, I'm kind of with you, but there is one thing I would have cut and it is the absolutely grotesque make out of McCann and, Charles Bronson's daughter <laughs> that is just full open mouth like jaws locked yeah mashing face yeah that, that's it was, I a was bad, like oh my god it was a bad kiss <laughs> like one of those fuck it we'll do it in one take kind of things it was, yeah, yeah it's it's the uh what was that show on a it was like a and e where they hadn't they're like hadn't kissed oh, or anything and they get married yeah. is that love at first kiss Love at first sight, love at first sight, something like that. But yeah, ninety day virgin. That, I think that's what it was. <laughs> I don't know something. A and E. It's either people fucking all the time or never. So, <laughs> <laughs> what a tagline! All right, let's move into our uh, taint misbehaving award for this movie. <laughs> the uh, there's the some actor, strong candidates for this. Yeah, one. the actor role that you think needed some more screen time or really did a lot with the, just barely any time at all. So let's hear what you guys have to say. Um, other than Wilford Brimley, there was a character, and I wish I would have written the line down. Um. But the character, when they are in the lunchroom cafeteria, um, it, it was like almost as if she improvised the line. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I can't remember the line either. It's a he's like, I hate key. She's like, Well, then why'd you get it? Yeah, <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> like just a full conversation between Charles Bronson and his daughter, and this extra in the movie just chimes in out of nowhere. <laughs> she was actually working at the cafeteria. Seven That took 17 takes for her to get. I think mine is the office manager where oh, yeah. Warren works, who gets the, the news that the lady worker died. She's like, what? What happened? <laughs> that oh, no, that's terrible. And you're just like, that oh, line my reading. God. I like disconnected from reality when that line oh my God. happened. Do you think do you think like the first reading of that, the director was like, I'm not even I'm not even gonna try to improve that. <laughs> she did, that she read through it, she did she get. didn't stutter, let's just move on. What if it was like a family member and he's like, I promised my aunt she could have a role in the movie? What? What do you mean? 
Oh, oh my god, no! no. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I gotta go Wilford Brimley. It's hard not to, man. He I I think his acting career he was I I get such joy out of seeing Wilford Brimley in legitimate roles after only knowing him as the diabetes guy. Uh and it's honestly like kind of disappointing that that's how I knew him because he is he's so fun to have in genre movies. Yeah. He I love him in the thing and he's great here and I I just want more of that. So boys, it's time for our draft. And we're talking for a listener if you haven't seen this movie, Warren is grade A, 100% certified beefcake. USDA grade. Like he's He's he does, a beefcake. He does karate, and he's got feathered hair. And he he shows it all off throughout the entire movie. So we are drafting uh, beefcake killers uh, from other movies. Again, we should specify that just because these guys are beefcakes does not mean we condone anything that they're doing or we like them for those things. Well, speak for yourself. But at least they look good doing it. I'm saying that because of the weird group of people that are like obsessed with Ted Bundy and think he's super handsome. Yeah. No, those people suck. Don't be like those people. This is a joke about just insane beefcakes in uh, horror and thriller movies. I will say all of mine are attractive. I don't know how many of them are actually beefy. A- attractive works too. Attractive okay. works too. I've got a couple beefy boys on mine. <laughs> so let's let's get our uh, random number generator. What's our range? Uh, hundred beef. Let's go. Yeah, we'll do a hundred. Ninety nine. Uh, Ninety nine. Sixty nine. Sixty nine. And I'm going to go seven. If it's fucking ninety nine. <laughs> Is it fucking ninety nine? It's not ninety nine. But I'm not going to do this because it would be suspicious. I got eleven on here, and it would be the same thing happened last time we did the numbers. So I'll hmm. roll again. Suspicious. Sixteen. That's right, fine. That's better. That's All fine. right, fine. I'll go first, if you insist. Uh, so I'm taking Patrick Bateman right out of the yeah. gate here. That's, Easy. I think he's that's definition. Zion level he's number, number one. one. Yeah, no question at all. Absolute beefcake. He knows it. Everyone around him knows it. You get a scene of him admiring himself. Like, that's peak beefcake. All right. All right, so now... Uh, It'd be me, right? Yes, uh, number two, he's not so much a beefcake. I'm going to say more of a heartthrob. I am going with Skeet Ulrich in uh, Scream. I was so close. It. Yep. I, oh, man. I knew Skeet would be on the board. Damn it. Skeeting all over the board. Fucking shit. <laughs> uh, fair. That's That was going to be my, my first pick. Um, Okay, I got some backups here. Um, My pick for, for the first pick in this round is going to be... um. The grizzled fox version of Tom Cruise in Collateral. Ooh, nice. Michael Mann's Collateral. <laughs> that won't be the last time we hear from our good friend Michael Mann on here. <laughs> oh man! But for my number two pick, uh, I mean, boys, it's it's hard not to acknowledge that this man is an absolute hunk, hundred uh, percent beefcake. Uh, our friends over at A to Z Horror on their most recent episode talked at length about this, and I'm going Dan Stevens and the Guest. Nice. These, uh, man. I, I thought about that one. I figured you would probably pick it, so I just yeah. I was idea. dialed in on that from the beginning. Absolute hunk. Riley, second pick. Oh man, I don't know how I want to go about this. Um. Okay, I know we so preface this by you shouldn't idolize these people but this guy is a beefcake um so i couldn't not pick him and i'm picking zach efron's portrayal of ted bundy oh uh, yeah and i i wondered if that would come up once again we do not idolize we don't think ted bundy is a beefcake zach efron himself yeah huge beefcake all right um this one is a little bit Maybe out of left field. Um, but, Ty, you mentioned I saw the devil earlier. I am not yeah. picking the main killer, but I am picking uh, Su Hyun, who is the one who is uh, trying to chase down Kyung Chol. Maybe? Uh, I mean, I've seen it, I'm, but I've, I'm forgetting how to pronounce the yes. name. 
Uh, but Su Hyun is essentially just torturing him the entire movie and uh, looking pretty good while doing it. I I wondered if that would come up because he he's a hunk. Now, I have a question to pose to you guys and all <laughs> all the listeners out there. Is Tom Noonan hot? No. That's a damn shame. I, I can't. We love you, Tom Noonan, and I really want to pick Manhunter here, uh, but I cannot. But what's <sighs> let's think about other big boys. I'm and I'm talking real big boys, real just like slabs of meat, like big buff boys, twenty twenty five feet of buff boys, and I'm talking about Bruce the Shark from Jaws. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> One of the biggest boys there is. That's a good pick. Okay, so we were highlighting murderers, uh, people that have killed, um, but are also absolute beefcakes, very attractive men. This character in this movie murdered potential millions upon millions. (laughs) And that's right, I am going with Kurt Russell in Oh, my God. Okay, I have an honorable mention when we're done. I can't believe I dropped the ball on this one. I thought about it ahead of time, but good, great pick. Um, I'm having a hard time with my third pick. Um, I'm going to pick someone who maybe is not exactly a killer, but does have one very good spectacular kill, um, and that is Daniel Plainview and They Will Be Blood, or There Will Be Blood. Um, you know... Just, you know, the, the stoicism, the mustache, the ability to kill someone else. Hey, with a he murdered wall. someone. This was this was attractive murderer draft. That's true. Just so everyone knows, he did murder someone in a bowling alley with a bowling ball. Um, and we here at Who the Hell Is This For do not condone murder with bowling balls. Uh, we do condone being a beefcake. That's true. Uh, and for for my honorable mention, which honestly, had I had my list up sooner, uh, because I was I just had pictures of Tom Noonan up instead, so I didn't have my <laughs> list in front of me. Uh, I'm I would have said uh, stuntman Mike in Death Proof, another Kurt Russell role, yeah, where he's peak Silver Fox and just total beefcake. All right, let's get into. Oh, let's I, wrap I did up. have I oh, did have one other. Let, yeah, any other honorable, honorable mentions? Uh, Javier Bardem in Skyfall. Oh, really? You could do Javier Bardem in a lot of things. You yeah. could do uh, uh, Death by Omission in Mother, um, when he <laughs> he prevents he does not prevent the death of several people. I mean, if he's supposed to be God, he's got a lot to answer for. So. <laughs> You know, really not preventing the death of almost anybody. So Yeah, billions upon billions. That just a Isn't, beautiful head of hair on him. In Skyfall, doesn't he have like like dentures and a false face? Uh that's CG though. Still a beefcake. The rest of them is just fine. (laughs) Or take it it out. (laughs) Jesus, let's go to ratings. All right, what did you guys score this movie? Well, I'll I'll go ahead and give mine since I accidentally (laughs) dropped it earlier. I think I'm landing at a seven on this movie. Yeah, this one is a, an 8 out of 10, uh, 4 out of 5 on the letterbox scale. I I started at 6 coming into the episode, but talking more about the first and third acts really pulled it up for me, I think. Well, great, great talking about this movie with you guys. Thank you to our friends at Nightmare Junkhead for putting this on our radar in general. Uh, we had a great time with it, uh, and we hope to... I hope to get into some more. I feel like it's been a minute when, since we've done some weird genre stuff like this. And I, I think we should do some more of that. But we'll, uh, you know, we'll throw some movies out there in our group chat for a couple days before deciding on one and then roll with it. This has been another episode of Who the Hell Is This For? Thank you for listening. Bye.